Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am here with my friend and producer, Max Kerman. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going, Max? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm great. You know, you always ask me about my weekend, uh, but I never ask you how your weekend is. <laughs> what do you do? What did I do this weekend? I My dad wanted to hang out with me and my brother, and... Uh, <laughs> He always feels By the way, listeners should know that I live with Mike's brother Greg. That's true. So I'm I'm usually in the in the know when when Roy Boy, who's your father, yeah. is is looking is looking for a dinner party. Yeah. So what you need to know is my dad's uh, he's a party he, he likes to he likes to have a good time. Uh, <laughs> you were going to say party animal. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to. Uh, my uh, yeah, my dad uh, my friends know him as Roy Boy, yeah. uh, which is his uh, party name. <laughs> His real name is Roy. His work name. I don't know what he goes. Uh, His colleagues call him Roy Boy, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so uh, like any uh, children and their parents, you go a stretch and you don't see each other for a while. People get busy. You know, I've got this podcast, Max. I don't know if you've heard. Um, (laughs) So you go a stretch where, you know, maybe you don't see your parents as much as you should. Uh So my dad will kind of start, you know, Fishing around, like, send out the feeler texts. Where's my boys? He doesn't know how to text. Oh, he no, he, <laughs> is he straight phone calls? A oh, big time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Does he leave phone messages? Oh yeah. <laughs> how time. long are they? Oh well, it depends uh, if he's had a few uh, in the <laughs> afternoon. If it's like a Saturday afternoon, you know, he works hard during the week, then yeah. that message could go anywhere from like <laughs> one to fifteen minutes. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so my dad wants to set up this basically this dinner date. It's he's a like, triple date, though. A right? triple date. So it's my his dad, wife, his wife. Yeah. Uh, it's me, my girlfriend, my brother, and his girlfriend. And uh, so we're like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's mm-hmm. have at it. Saturday night. So uh, we all meet up at uh, where you live with Craig. Yeah. Now you're giving away the address of my. They house. don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah. If you didn't know, listeners, I was also robbed last week. <laughs> Because you give out your address yeah. for no uh, And I uh, let it be known that the, the door is always unlocked. So please don't go through this. <laughs> the side. door is always open, yeah. literally. Literally. So we go up to the West Mountain, where we're originally from. And uh, we get there, and my dad's all in a great mood. And I would say within about 40 minutes, he was on the electric guitar, like, wailing away. <laughs> Does he know how to play guitar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he cranks it the feedback was going uh that's most great guitar players though. yeah now he knows you just got to put that distortion pedal on and wail so yeah it was it was a fun night uh dinner was consumed did did you guys all go to the bar together afterward <laughs> so this is the other funny thing that happens is so every time we go for this dinner it's always like you know oh around midnight uh greg and i would usually like you know get in a cab go downtown maybe meet up with you guys yeah continue the night on but my dad is always hankering to leave the west mountain like <laughs> break me free boys like where are we going after the bar well the funny thing about roy is that he came over to our house one night and he started like there was like you know about 20 young people around like having great conversation have a good time and he was like this party sucks let's go to the ship <laughs> <laughs> that is true my dad showed up at a party that max was throwing and then felt it was too tame and yeah. wanted to go party on augusta Street. he was jonesing for a real bar uh, actually, that night also, just a little side story about my dad. Um, we'd been at a wedding like a couple weeks before. My dad doesn't have Instagram. He doesn't have a cell phone or anything like that. And I was like, oh, maybe dad would want to see this. I I'd posted an Instagram photo of me and my dad and my brother. And it was like, oh, Veermania or something like that. And I was like, dad, check out this Instagram uh, post uh, that I put up. And he's like, oh, man. And I was like, um, what? He's like, I, I just, I'm getting old. And I'm like, what do, you, <laughs> what do you mean you're getting old? And he goes, I just... I don't think I look like that. And, oh, and he just, points at my phone. And I go, what do you think you look like? And then he looks at me dead in the eyes and he points and he goes, I think I look like you. 
like, yeah, that's actually kind of refreshing because if you're someone who just doesn't look at themselves like like on Instagram or like yeah. on Facebook all the time, you probably don't know what you look like. No. Or you just have like one version of yourself like that's in the mirror in the morning or something. It's he kind th- of refreshing, actually. Yes. And delusional. He thinks he look. He thinks he looks like young him, which would be me because we look very similar, but obviously thirty years apart. Yeah, but he's like, but uh, I look like you, but with a slightly better body. Oh yeah, way better body. <laughs> <laughs> he's managed to maintain a very good old man body, whereas I'm. Uh, Roy's cut. He's a great shortstop too. He's a great shortstop. The only guy I know that can make a diving catch with a smoke hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. All right. Enough about that. Let's Max, get to the show. Let's get to the show. Uh, today we have a great show. Mm-hmm. We have uh, writer. Tim McAuliffe. True fact, uh, Tim used to work at Much. So there's a bit of connection from years before, but since then he's gone on to write for Jimmy Fallon, The Office, uh, most recently The Last Man on Earth, mm-hmm. which is the Will Forte show. Critically acclaimed, amazing comedy. This interview is going to be great. You learn a lot about Tim. You hear a lot of great anecdotes. But let's set the scene for how we even got to LA. Let's do it. Max and I were at a bachelor party in Las Vegas. I had a flight book to leave that Sunday. Because we decided to start this podcast, Max is like, hey, I got to go to L.A. for some band business. He goes, I got a car rented. I've got a hotel. It's all set up. You should come with me. We'll just do some interviews and we'll like get some stuff for the pod. It's L.A., man. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I got a flight booked back home. I'd have to fl- like book a flight from L.A. And I said, we'll split the cost. And you I never were. paid you back. <laughs> <laughs> I would never ask once I committed. So I'm like, Max, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, that's a lot. I'm like, do you think we can get interviews? And again, because you're super optimistic. I like, yeah, we'll figure something out. So we leave uh, our hooligan friends uh, at the airport in Las Vegas. We had a great couple days in Vegas. We downloaded... Uh, the soundtrack to Love, which is the Beatles' Cirque du Soleil uh, soundtrack. <laughs> we get on the road. Mm-hmm. We get to L.A. Yeah. Max, as a producer, starts making moves. Yeah. Uh, when we'd been in L.A. the year before, when you were recording High Noon, yep. uh, we ended up hanging out with our friends Matt Unsworth, who lives in L.A., and Tim McAuliffe. And Tim is the nicest guy. The nicest guy. Uh, a guy that's obviously very accomplished, very successful, has written for so many uh, amazing shows. Has the hottest wife, too. That is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my god since we last been down there uh tim has bought a house and he was kind enough to be like oh you're doing a podcast yeah i'd love to chat he invites us to the house yeah and we're thinking you know this guy's doing pretty good for himself but yep. la is probably expensive mm-hmm. you know how nice could his place be yeah turns out it's really nice yes and not a mansion kind of way but just in like the coolest neighborhood is in silver lake oh yeah uh on this like weird little hill he invites us in he offers us uh a drink or two, and we get right into the podcast. So we chat. You'll hear all of that. He has great anecdotes. He tells you how he got to L.A., how he got his job. Yeah, and I think um, I think this this interview is going to be particularly good for like young comedy writers or people who want to learn about sort of getting into showbiz on sort of the writing creative side because his path to like real employment is really interesting and really cool. Uh, so I, I hope everyone gets a kick out of that. So one more thing before we get to the interview. After the interview, um, that night was our last night in L.A., and Max and I both had to be at LAX the next morning at 6 a.m. So Max, uh, being a pretty responsible man, said, uh, you know what? I'm going to get out of here. It's about 12.30. Yeah, it's about 12.30. I needed to get some sleep. You know, I was responsible (laughs) for getting us to the the airport in the morning. That's true. And Mike, what did you say? (laughs) I said, okay, have a good sleep, Max. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I'll be back in the hotel before six. <laughs> uh, Tim is such an amazing host. We just uh, 
continued drinking wine and then some other liquor came out. Our friend uh, Matt came over, Unsworth, and we all uh, ended up in <laughs> Tim's hot tub. Yeah, cut to 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Three shirtless twos having the most jovial time uh, one can imagine. It was a wonderful last night in L.A. And finally at like 3.30 something in the morning, I, I came stumbling into the hotel and Max just kind of like rolls over and gives me a look. He's like, you going to be good for the morning? Yeah. Like, oh. Did I say that? Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a seasoned pro, though. I should, I oh, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. All right, let's get to the interview. We're here at your home in uh, Silver Lake, yeah. uh, which is amazing. And we've been driving around for the last two days, and we've been seeing the billboards for the uh, Will Forte show, which yeah. you're working on. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. let's start there. How did, you, yeah. how did that come about? How did you get that gig? Well, I, I've been working with... Uh, with a bunch of like people who had written on SNL before, like uh, Emily Spivey, she created a show up all night, and then uh, Maya Rudolph, and, and then I worked with Jimmy Fallon in New York, and so then. Uh, oh, we'll be getting to that, don't worry. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, so anyway, uh, but they, uh, so Will read a script, and we have the same agent, so it kind of worked out. <laughs> like, that, that helps a lot, I think, in, in LA, but uh, then he, he uh, read script and liked it, and then we went to this barbecue restaurant, and he was like, if you want to do the job, you're hired and then I was like oh my god this would be great because I'm like MacGruber is one of my favorite movies yeah. I love that movie so much um, I'm in the middle of like I have a, a pilot at Fox right now so I'm trying to like we're trying to hire Powers Booth you know the really tough guy and we met with him on Monday and he's like the most insanely tough scary dude legitimately like, tough and scary scary but awesome like, he's like <laughs> the funniest guy like but but like like legitimately scary. But anyway, he so anyway, um, uh, Will was just like, if you want to do it, we'll, we'll do it. And then and it's just Will and and then um, his buddy John who who wrote the grouper movie with him, and then Emily who created Up All Night, and then uh, uh, my friend Liz who was an SNL writer. It's all SNL writers, and then and uh, and then. Uh, and uh, Will's buddy Dave, and then that's it. It's just a small room. So we've been working on it for a year. But I'll tell you, like this, for real, like this is the best show ever. It's so f- good. It's like amazing. It's like the best show ever. It's like you were saying that you're, it's a small room, just like yeah, a sort of yeah. a small group of you guys. And I mean, comedy writing for a lot of people is like it's something we hear about, but we don't know the minutia of what goes on during a day. Like walk us oh, through yeah. a typical sort of day uh, as a writer, comedy writer. Well, it's like it's funny. It's like mostly just watching web videos of things and stuff like that like anyone would do but then like uh just funny shit to try and inspire you and have a laugh or i don't even know if it's it's just to because i think writers are by nature pretty lazy so we're just (laughs) uh, but no but i I think the end of the day is like the will uh ran the room so it was like it was it was always like crazy it was like because i i've been a uh, forte fan from snl i was on for eight years and stuff and uh, I was like, he just sat at the typewriter <laughs> or, uh, you know, at the computer and then, and just typed and then you just throw out jokes. And then it's weird because it's like, it's kind of, it's, it's awesome, but, and I love Will's style, but it's like, you know, as a writer, you just throw out jokes and some things stick and some things don't. And all of a sudden, you know, like you, the, when I first started on the show, I, every time it, they wouldn't type out my joke, I would, or not this show, but like when I was writing The Office and the other shows, I would be so upset because I'd be like, oh my God, they just think I'm a, an asshole, you know? And, and then you realize that. Like when a joke wouldn't take of yours, you took you it personally. In the room, you're like, because you're doing it, it's almost like you're kind of doing a bit in the room or something like that. You're kind of like, everyone's sort of just, telling jokes, you know, like trying to tell jokes and trying to entertain the people in the room, but the people in the room all have the same sort of 
mentality and like they all understand and they love Will's comedy so it, you know so you're just trying to make other people laugh and they're all friends of mine so it's kind of like you're just trying to make your friends laugh and then you see if it gets typed into the script you know like right. and that's how it works it's it's yeah does does Will lead that room is he like sort of a strong voice does he have final say because it's it's he, his show ready created yeah it? I mean I, I, I he sits at the, at the he'll actually type yeah he types yeah wow and then and then and then we just basically um we just, you know, pitch ideas and see if see if he takes them. But it, it just turns out, like, that Will's, like, like I'm not saying this because it's a podcast or anything. He's actually the nicest guy on the face of it. Like, he's so nice. Like, he, he like, to a point where, you know, he, he'll, he, he's just maybe, like, like, he'll, like, there's a, there's a thing right now. We have this promotion right now for Last Man on Earth where... They can, all over the United States there's these like posters on like sort of like guerrilla marketing style where they, they put like you know when you're trying to get a basis for your band or something like that you know those little things at the bottom of a piece of paper yeah, that rip yeah. off the phone number and stuff like that anyway he so there's the thing to call the last man on earth and uh, and the, the funny thing is is that they've given Will a phone and so most of the time it goes to a recording but like a lot of times it goes we, we were sitting in the room one night, and it's just, the phone rings. Like, it rings. So Will's got it. Like, he's got the actual phone with that number. So so he'll answer it. When he wants to, he can pick up the calls. Yeah, he'll pick up the call. <laughs> and it's like, and you just hear him, like, he's, like, getting into the minutia of their lives. He's, like, so, he's so nice. Like, it's so crazy. So it'll be, like, a 20-minute phone call, you know. <laughs> he'll be sending money to them and stuff. Need to ride at the airport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, he's super, super cool, dude. So. With, like, comedy writing sort of in general, like, you know, people will see something like um, Modern Family, and you'll see written by, and it'll be one name. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, there's probably 10 people yeah. punching up that script. Yeah. How does crediting work with writing? That's like, a great question, because, uh, it's uh, for us like I've, I've technically wrote two episodes of, of Last Man on Earth this season and the uh, it's just not the case like I mean we all write the shows together like everyone just types up we all just type up the show in the room you know I think a lot of other shows like dramas like if you go out and type up a show like you actually write that episode they do small revisions to it but this is just us writing in the room and they have to assign a name. So they just, Do you prefer that style of work? Like the collaborative, everybody's throwing stuff out, it's just you and your friends. Oh my God. So. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Especially in a small room like that where it's like just a bunch of people who are friends and then they're just writing the same. Like there's no competition. Like there's no one looking at you in the room going like, oh, that guy got a funny joke in or it's none of that shit. It's like, and which is, I think, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't write for SNL, but I'd always heard that there was a lot of competition on SNL, and that's just not the case. Yeah, you hear about them holding back laughs in the room when people are pitching or doing bits yeah. so that yeah. they can get their stuff in. Yeah. I, I, Have I've you encountered that in any uh, writing room? Uh, I don't, I, 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 sometimes I'll get suspicious that I have, you know, but like I don't, I don't know that I have, because every, it's so weird. I, I thought when I was coming to the States, like I moved here with, do you know Nathan Fielder? You know, like, of course, yeah. yeah. Much as Nathan Yeah, Fielder. he and I moved to New York together. We got an apartment and he, and he, um, I would come back and I'd be like, I think people are holding back laughs. But then I was like, oh, maybe I'm just not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he, but he was like, he's, uh, but he's gone on great things. But like, but it was like really uh, insecure time for me when I first came to the States because I thought everyone was going to be an asshole 
because I thought everyone was just going to be like, oh, you see this thing in New York, you know, like everyone in New York's a jerk or something like that, yeah. you know, like A-type personality. And it turns out everyone's nice. It's like, <laughs> they're all my best friends. Like at my wedding, it's going to be all these guys. And it's like, it's like, it's so crazy. Like, it's like, I thought it was going to be much more competitive and it doesn't seem to be that way. Well, I mean, you've worked on a lot of shows, like some amazing Canadian shows, obviously The Office, but I mean, I think people would be interested in sort of your big break in, in in America, which was the Jimmy Fallon show, yeah, yeah. and is that is that when you and Nathan Fielder moved down to New York? We moved to like we were working on Twenty Two Minutes together, and then I moved to Paris for three months, and I was like, I was like, I'm gonna just write a movie in Paris. And Paris, Ontario. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very inspiring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, their uh, yeah, it, it, their French food is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I no, I moved to Paris, and then I was like. Uh, I, uh, it was really funny. It was like the first day I got there, I was like, I moved there by myself. I'd just broken up with this girl and I moved there by myself. And I was like, the, if I go to the Canadian bar in Paris, I've lost, it's over, <laughs> going home. That, that was my benchmark uh, of whether or not I, I should be in Paris or not. And then, so I got there at like, 11 in the morning by 3 o'clock I was at the Canadian bar. <laughs> but I was like, but I, I was always like, um, but then I, I ended up in, like getting to know people, but it was like, but it was that weird thing because I, I just need to be talking to people and stuff like that. And like, but I went, so I went there and I was like, I went down to the Seine <laughs> with a notepad and uh, like a bottle of wine or something like that. And I started writing. I was like, who the f*** am I? <laughs> like, I'm kidding. Like, what the hell is this? And so I just drank like for the whole time I was there. And then, and then, um, and then I, I called Nathan and I was like, He'd wanted to move to New York, so we moved to New York. Did you guys go down with nothing? Uh, no plans. Yeah. No plans. We, he got a job, and I got a job on the same weekend, and then and then he moved to LA. No work visas. Literally, let's just go to New York and see what no can work happen. Visa. Yeah. No, nothing. That's nothing. pretty bold. Yeah. Well, they uh, they sponsor you when they hire you. If they, if they you know like they can like I the way I got the job on Fallon was I I, I didn't know anyone. I had a Canadian agent. And, uh, and so I didn't have anything, like I just did nothing. And then we'd rented this apartment and then I made a package. I made like this fake Facebook page that had like monologue jokes and it was, you know, corny little thing. And then I brought it to the courier desk and I left it for Jimmy Fallon <laughs> and, uh, for, uh, the head writer who I like Googled. And I thought, ah, you know, I'm just here. I'm bored. I, I'll do this. And then I was, I walked out of there and I was like, I guess it was like two hours later, I was having lunch and then I got a call and they're like, uh, they want to meet with you uh, tomorrow. And so I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So I went in, met with the head writer and we chatted for like half hour or something like that. And he goes, let's get Jimmy in here. So Jimmy came in, we talked for an hour and then like, I was like, this is more than I ever wanted. And I left the building uh, I called my dad. I was like, this is the coolest thing. And then my, and then while I was with my dad, they called and they were like, you want to write on the show starting like on Monday? And I was holy like, shit. holy cow. It was like super fast. It was like really cool. Yeah. Like, like if you were to see that in a movie, you'd be yeah. like, that's bullshit. Yeah. It doesn't happen that no, way. No, exactly. Yeah. It, you'd be like, no, the, the writer was taking liberties and it's, it's total BS. But yeah. yeah. Like it was a gimmick, but I, I thought that the jokes itself were Funny. If it got to like, a certain point, funny, but like, yeah. you felt the work would speak for itself. Yeah. So you just yeah. got to get it to that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, what was Jimmy like at that point? I mean, so that was the show that was following yeah, it was the just, Tonight it Show. Was, 
Right. It just started. It was started. So it was so they hadn't launched yet. Uh, no, it was like three weeks in. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so everyone was like fired up, man. It was like if there were like there was a party for like the you know like the seventy second episode. We'll have a party and it'll be on top. Of, you know, it was like really cool. Everyone was so into it. And then like the um, I wish I could give you more of a scoop on that because like all the people on that show were so cool. Like they were super nice. And then like uh, and then they uh, and then. But it was just like being in New York. Jimmy got us like these. He got us memberships to the Friars Club for life for Christmas. What is the Friars Club? It's like this old timey. Where roasts come from? Like the roasts, you know. But it's this building in 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 uh, Midtown. That's like this old building. It's so cool and stuff like that. So you're so like I was. I'm a friar. Yeah, I was like (laughs) I was hanging out at the Friars Club with Jimmy, and I was like, this this is a guy who was like living in Halifax, like. Like making zero dollars, like living in a really like it looked like a like a rented condo, and I was like, this is so exciting, like this is so to go so from fun. zero to a hundred. Yeah, it was so exciting. And then it's never been that glamorous since. <laughs> it's never been the same. No. What um, what was Jimmy like to work with at that point? Was he? Was, I mean, is he like a, a sort of strong leader? Did he? Did his common voice? Was it really strong? Like, sort of walk us through what that was like. Yeah, he well, he knows exactly what he wants to do. So it was kind of it was actually pretty awesome. the the weird The weird thing was that like I the thing that really blew my mind was that um, Jimmy is actually one day older than me. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, sorry, one day younger than me. Uh, exactly. It's that one day younger than me. And so I was like, that always was like, oh my god, like this guy. Every you'd hear about him, like he from twenty, he'd been on SNL, like. And I, like, at 29, I was calling my dad asking for 150 bucks. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, it was like, this guy succeeded really well. Like, he did life properly. And then I was like, so I was always in awe of that. Like, he was like, he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. Good dude. And uh, maybe the funniest guy. Like, super funny guy. So, and then and then he had these guests on that were like, he did these, like, crazy things. Like, Will Ferrell, like, just cutting his hair for, like, five minutes and stuff like that. <laughs> But like the, the, it was really funny. Like the 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 one thing I did a bunch of bits on that. You know, write a lot of thank you notes and monologue jokes and yeah. stuff like that. But the one bit that I that that ended up staying after I left and kept going was this was the most base level bit I've ever written in my life. But it actually played really well. It was called competitive spit takes, where people would read punchlines to jokes from the audience and they're just spitting each other's faces so basically <laughs> but it's like I still watch them they're so funny and it's like but it uh, yeah and then and then uh, Jess and I moved out to LA and then and then started working out here and that's basically I've been working on sitcoms since that's yeah like, I mean the decision to move out to LA from New York when you have this sort of great gig was that yeah. a tough uh, call I mean Jess wanted to act um and New York doesn't have a lot of that. Jess, your fiance. Yeah. So you guys yeah. met in New York. We met in New York. Jess was working at the um, Comedy Cellar, which is like the hot spot. For oh yeah. Her. And I live basically. <laughs> have you been there? I, oh yeah. 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 He, he does three sets a week. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, my friend Morgan, who I shared an office with on on Fallon, uh, did stand up there, and so she introduced us, and then we um, and then uh, we started dating, but. I live basically on top of it, like two houses down. After you left uh, New York, um, 
I mean, Fallon was doing well following The Tonight Show, and obviously now he's taking over The Tonight Show, and it's massive. It's yeah. one of the most popular show on television. Yeah. So did you, could you see that then? Did you think it could go there? Or were you surprised oh at the success? No. That guy's hilarious. And, and also, the writers on that show, like, the guys who write, and Jimmy's got, like, Jimmy, this guy Gerard, who's a, a childhood friend of Jimmy's, is, like, maybe one of the funniest guys ever. So funny. Funny. And then and then this guy Mike Desenzo and, and there's a bunch of guys that are super funny on that show and then so yeah and then obviously Jimmy like to be able to do Im uh, impressions but also to be just genuinely funny as himself is amazing so right. and and is, is he a good writer would you say he's a strong writer oh yeah. yeah yeah I mean I don't think he had a lot of time to write um, because he's you know it was so funny like his day was like to the minute like and his office was next to mine. And so, like, you know, it really was, like, we had the meeting in the morning, we talked about ideas, and then he had, like, nine interviews, and then he'd do the Today Show. It was, like, nonstop. It was, like, and then and then we just sit there and, like, type out jokes and then, you know, <laughs> try to figure it out. And then and he was, like, yeah, I mean, but then he would, you'd write a joke and then you'd give it to him and then he'd, he'd come in and go, like, oh, I think I'm going to do this to this joke. And you're, like, oh, that's just way funnier. You know, like, it's... <laughs> The guy who was one day younger than me that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you guys moved down here. You come yeah, to L.A. Yeah. Um, and then you started writing for The Office? No, I started writing for Up All Night. Which oh, yeah. Which was uh, uh, Emily me and Will, Will Arnett and uh, Maya Rudolph and uh, Christina Applegate. And then did that for two years. And then um, started working for The Office after that. Right. And then, uh, and then yeah, that was crazy because... Um, I'd been a huge fan of The Office for, you know, I don't know, like, I've since the British one, yeah. and then, and then, um, but I, I was like, when I, the American one came out, I thought it was going to be a piece of shit, and I, <laughs> it turned out it was like, great, I loved it. So to be a fan of it, and then to write on it was really cool. Uh, is a lot of that show, like, I mean, I guess with performers, you'll write something, and it's like, you'll have certain performers or, or actors that can recite the line perfectly what you've written, and then you'll have other people that, you know, enhance it, or even improvise with yeah. your words. Yeah. Is that a show where there was a lot of improvising with sort of jokes that you had, or... I wouldn't say. I think that's actually not a show that had, like, they they were really to script. Like, um, Arnett is a good improviser. Like, he would be like, he'd go off, and you'd be like, oh, that's a, that's some great stuff, you know. Like, uh, I worked on a show with David Allen Greer, who was like a super funny guy. Like, he would just improvise and stuff like that. It would be great. I don't. I we were auditioning a guy today for a pilot I have at Fox, and this guy improvised for a minute in front of the president of Fox. And it was like, how do you do? Amazing. Oh wow, it was amazing. He got hired, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, he he did a great job. But it's like to me, that's super nerve wracking, you know, to to do that sort of thing. So it's a big shot that you take, and it's like you can fall on your face, but you can right. get hired on the spot. But it's always funnier when you improvise because it's stuff they haven't heard before. Like they've read your script a thousand times or whatever, but this is something new and it's exciting. So they show, you know. But um, as a writer of the original material, yeah, do I you, love it. You I like love it. it? I love it so much. Yeah, like I when I. Yeah, I, there's no part of me, like, if it reflects on me, then I'll take it. <laughs> like, the idea of, like, that guy will improvise, then they'll go, oh, the guy who wrote that is really funny, so I'll just, I, I will just take the... Uh, just like it was on the page. Yeah, 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 and I'll fully lie and say that was fully my idea. <laughs> 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 
Did you always want to be a comedy writer? I mean, did you? No, I, I worked in advertising, and then uh, just for everyone listening, uh, Tim is hooking his, he's <laughs> filling our wine glasses like a wonderful host. It's <laughs> a, a nine dollar bottle of wine. This is this is what uh, success in in uh, the United States does. You you can buy a nine dollar bottle. Of wine. <laughs> like I bought this, uh, I bought this with uh, like I didn't. This is not on credit. This is a full. I paid this cash. Really? <laughs> yeah, you own this. There's no way anyway, around this. <laughs> I've made some good decisions, and obviously this is a. <laughs> but if you don't finish any of it, just park put it back in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, sorry. Did you? Yeah, did you always want to be a comedy writer? Oh no, I, I worked in advertising. I, I, I was like working in advertising for a while, and then I, uh, I, I, I like started making these spoof commercials and stuff like that. Like I on the side, a, or as part of the gig, as, the advertising uh, job, and, uh, just for fun. Like, yeah. and then I was using their stuff, and I had any <laughs> Dodgeries. Like, I had this old K car. And I was like trying to sell it, and then so I made. I was working on the Nissan account in advertising in Toronto, and I so I, I just basically uh, did like a brand ad for this shitty '88 Dodge Aries, like cool like shots of it and stuff like <laughs> that. Like, and uh, and I wrote like at the end it was like it looked really stylized, and at the end I wrote two hundred dollars of best offer, and I put my phone number, and. Um, and I put my actual home phone number, it was like landline time, and it was like, and then all of a sudden it got onto like Ad Critic. There was no YouTube at the time, but it was like this Ad Critic was really popular. And then people started calling me, and I was getting four to 500 phone calls a day because people were watching this, like millions of people were watching this. It was like early viral. You've been around, obviously, so many uh, actors and, and writing on so many shows. Does anyone sort of in particular stand out where you're like, oh my goodness, this is. The this, best, dude. This is the, the best. This is a genius. Yeah, I guess like um, the best of what they do. Yeah. And then maybe just the best person as well. Martin Martin is, best. is the best. And then uh, uh, Mark Critch, who's on 22 Minutes and is like one of my closest buddies. He's actually marrying Jess and I uh, here just up the street, actually. He's doing the ceremony. He's doing the ceremony. He's, gonna, he's like, he's a Canadian guy, but he's the funniest dude. And Majumder, who, you know, Sean Majumder, I don't know if you know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, of course. We had dinner the other day. He he's uh, he's super funny. Like these Canadian guys are so bloody funny. And then like uh, so, and then I've been working with this with uh, Kevin Connolly, uh, who is I think one of the best straight guys. Like funny straight guys. Like he and I have this show, this pilot. Yeah, talk a bit about that. So that's the fantasy like, life. Fantasy life. Yeah, and he's like uh, he's really good. Like he know understands. He's like Jack Benny. He understands it. Like like. I was like entourage fan. I watched it and stuff like that. But I, but he's really funny, and so we've been trying to cast this thing. We're in the middle of it right now, like trying to figure out how to how to get people on. Like who, you know, like it's really funny because there's people you can audition who are you know who are maybe not have haven't achieved certain level, and there's people that you have to make offers to. But the people you can only make offers to, they'll do a meeting with you, so you can talk to them, but they won't read your lines. So you can talk about the script, but they won't read your lines. So you can't get a sense of how they might be able to do yeah. the part. Yeah. Actually, just getting back to the pilot, sort of writing a pilot, getting a pilot picked up. Yeah. Like sort of walk us through what that's like, the process of that. Um, it's, it's crazy. I, like there's so many steps to it, but like you pitch it, you go out and you pitch it. And this, this one's based on a book by... Uh, the Matthew by Berry book. Matthew Berry. Yeah. yeah. And so Matthew's part of this pitch process so 
did Matthew come to you or did you read the book and you're like, I want to do uh, something? His brother's my manager. So oh, they, there you yeah. Go. So he was like, let's, and then, so Matthew and I sort of chatted about it and then Kevin's got a deal. This is how, this is so weird. I, I'm learning this for the first time, uh, how this all works, but Kevin's got a deal at 20th Century Fox, which is the studio, not the network. So he's got a deal there. So he's also, my manager is also his, his manager. So then they bring you all together and then see if it works out. And we, we liked each other and stuff like that. So we started working together. Then we went out and pitched it. So we came up with this, like the amount of work that goes into creating a pitch. I'm a terrible uh, presenter. You know, like I'm really bad at like, at like presenting. Like I, I get nervous and like, I'll forget the lines. Like that's why I would be an awful actor, but like, so we go, we pitch this thing, and we pitch it to all four networks um, in the same day. And so there's so much stress. And so I was like freaking out. My managers go, you, you and Kevin and uh, Matthew, we gotta, we're gonna rent a hotel room near, uh, near our management office. Every hour we're gonna come and talk to you about, you're gonna pitch us again, and you're gonna practice it over and over again. And I was like, this is insane. Like, so I did, I went to this hotel room. They came over all the time and we just kept practicing it. And then the day comes, all four pitch meetings, all four networks in the same day, starting at nine in the morning. And we start pitching it. And like the first meeting I get into, everything goes on my fucking bed. And then I know in my bag, there's the thing, like the, the script. And it's a script, like it's a script down to like, where you're like uh, telling him, uh, like you're trying to pretend you're just coming up with a story on the spot. <laughs> and you're like, you're telling us. Loose and casual, trying to remember lines. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, uh, hang on, I got a story I got to tell you. <laughs> yes. And so we did it. We pitched it and we sold it to all four networks. Holy shit. And so it was, it was great. The next few months, we write the script, do the outline. And there's like, there's like eight or nine producers on the show including Matthew and Kevin and, uh, and then there's network and studio and all these people. So they give you all these notes and then finally they pick it up for a pilot. And then once they pick it up for a pilot, they did that a couple of weeks ago. Then you, they give you more notes. You write it. You also have to cast it, which I've just learned about. I don't know anything about that stuff. Like in the States, it's a whole thing, like who's available and who's not. And then, and then you shoot it. We're shooting it March 25th. And then, on May 15th, they do this thing in New York where they announce what shows got made. So they're making six comedy pilots. Do you find out before the announcement in New York? I think you find out a few days before. Right. You don't have to sit in the audience nervous? Like. No, they don't fly to New York unless... If you get a ticket to New York, I guess. It's like it's like uh, American Idol. If, you get a, if you're going to Hollywood or something like that, and then you get to... But, uh, but it's so crazy. I don't know. It's so nuts, man. Like, I, I, we had, like, a meeting, like, on Monday with, like... Jim Belushi, who I think is, you know, like, hilarious guy, you know, and stuff like that. And you're like, you're trying to figure out, he's, he wants to do the show, and you're trying to figure out if it, if, if it works, you know? Like, but he won't audition. He won't audition, but he'll, he'll tell stories in a way that, you know, it's like, he's like... Informally auditioning. He's in, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. And so, like, but, but the idea is, like, guys are super talented, so I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's so hard, because all these guys you watch growing up are like... They're people who want to work and do comedy and stuff like that. Who gets final say over sort of the actors? Well, as a showrunner, they say you get final say. 
but oh, you consider the showrunner. Yeah, okay. but um, but you know, there's other you know, and like I become buddies with uh, Kevin, and we talk, uh, you know, a hundred times a day, and the, like the idea of like he's a really smart guy. He's been doing he's been in showbiz since he was five, so right. it's like he understands that stuff. But yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. Well, I guess lastly, uh, I mean, it seems you're living the dream down here. This house is amazing. Yeah, until the you can afford this nine dollar yeah. bottle of wine, like you said. Yeah. Um, for fresh. anyone trying to get into this line of work, like especially, I guess, Canadians wanting to make the move, yeah. um, how would you recommend someone go about it? Just email. Just email me <laughs> personally. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. I would. Yeah, you'll make sure. it happen. Yeah. What was leave if the phone number Canada, the uh, ad. Leave my phone number. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, No, but seriously, email me. Because like, if people are really wanting to do it, I would totally be into it. Yeah, I'd love to help out. Like, any way I could. Like, I have people write all the... Like, people write me all the time just asking for advice and stuff. And I love giving it because it makes me feel more important. Did they, write, <laughs> did they write you and ask you for money? No. Because I'm going to be doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just, I just want to make sure it's clean. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, what do you need? Yeah. Let's, we'll start with this bottle of wine. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. All right. Well, thanks. I mean, yeah. Maxi Boy, we got anything no, else to say? Uh, I think that's perfect. That's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, what a life. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> In one year, come back and visit me when it all crumbled. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. No, I don't live there anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, no, don't, don't, don't ring their doorbell. Yeah, they would upset And now is the segment of the show that Max likes to call the dessert. Our friend Shane Cunningham comes on. He's a bit of a pop culture aficionado. Who gave you that name anyway? That, that title. <laughs> the aficionado? Yeah, the aficionado. <laughs> oh, because my mom named me Shane. Um, <laughs> I guess Mike uh, gave me that moniker. What? Yeah. Me? Yeah. Uh, we needed something fancy to justify you being a guest mm-hmm. every week on the show. Yeah. You're not even a guest anymore. You're just you're part of the game. We just wanted you to be part of this. Oh, thing. thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. We drew you in the damn photo. Yeah. We, need, we needed to present a game plan to the higher ups at Much Music and be like, what's Shane's <laughs> segment going to be about? I'm like, I'm proud of that title. <laughs> you And you do have it. So, mm-hmm. so I'm going to see a movie, right? As I do every day in theaters. But uh, <laughs> you see a movie every day. As a pop uh, culture day. aficionado yes, should do. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. I listen to a new album every day and see a new movie in theaters every day. <laughs> what was the last album you listened to? Uh, it was The Strokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Is Summer this- re-listens, you know. <laughs> so I want to see Trainwreck, uh, but it's not playing at Scotiabank. So I take a cab home to my place, put on Netflix, and I ended up watching the Backstreet Boys documentary. <laughs> okay. Uh, show them what you got. It's called. Uh, <laughs> so um, it's an emotional roller coaster, though. It's, <laughs> <laughs> this could be the hangover uh, talking. I'm still a little hungover, but it was honestly. Uh, I laughed. I cried. I did you, you actually cry? I bawled my eyes out. I'm not like just saying that. I honestly bawled my eyes. Are out. all five of them still in the band? Yeah. Oh. Kevin left for a bit, but he came back. <laughs> and Kevin's like. Seriously, the coolest guy. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Why? He's got this storyline where he never had a dad. Like his dad died when he was very young and he goes back to his home. He tells a story and he starts crying. Oh, this is going to make me emotional right now. But uh, then Howie comes over and just hugs him. And they have this like. Howie's a morale guy for yeah, sure. Yeah. They just have this super long hug. And then Lou Perlman became like his, his stand-in father. Like basically. a father figure to them all. Exactly. And Kevin, like, even though Lou Perlman's, like, outed as, like, some, like, perverted, like, scam artist, he's still, like, I got a lot of respect for that guy. 
you know, just because he like made his career and like made his life. And like Kevin used to work at Disney World as like goofy. You know what I mean? Oh, and, like he was basically doing anything he could just to be in show business. And Lou Pearlman made his dreams come true. And then there's this storyline with with Brian where Brian's lose like Brian's the best singer in the band. It is funny though because Nick considers himself the second best singer in the band. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like he's like like he's the most uh confrontational person in the band too. So at one point they're having a meeting. He's like, "We used to have Jordan and I was Pippin." He's like, "Jordan and Pippin." He's like, "Now where's Jordan?" He's like, "Where's Jordan?" And he's like yelling at him about Brian. Yeah, and Brian's like, "Watch your f- mouth boy and he's like i'm not scared of you anymore and, and brian's like you were scared of me at one point <laughs> it's a really awesome moment and nick's so out of control during where the- are they having these conversations where well they, they came out with all these like cheesy songs like for the first time ever they're like screw the writers we're writing these songs. <laughs> it's a, bad idea. Yeah, it's a terrible huge idea. mistake by the way the minute the boy band says screw the writers <laughs> yeah all down it. yeah yeah, uh, but they're having a meeting on which songs to pick, and they're, like, fighting over the choruses and who, who has what. And Nick's just, like, I don't know. He's like, your voice isn't good anymore, Brian. He's like, your voice isn't the same. He's like, where's Jordan? He's a Jordan Pippen. And the other guys are just sitting there quiet, like the other scrubs. And he's like, <laughs> he's like but we had a starting five, guys. Like, he, say, he says that out of the starting five and how Brian's losing it. But yeah, why is Brian a shitty singer he, now? Uh, he's, he doesn't, he can't explain it. It's also an emotional part. Like he's lost his gift. Like he goes back and he talks to his music teacher and he tells his story about how in class everyone would sing. And then the teacher would slowly take out singers until the, they got, he got to the best singer Uh, and Brian was the best singer in the class. And now his gift is, is lost. And it's just like, it's a super emotional roller coaster and story of the band, how they came to be and how. You know the ups and downs, trials and tribulations, etc. But yeah, it's definitely. It was the perfect that. Sunday movie. It sounds like it was perfect, but it also ruined me emotionally. Mm. I noticed, uh, Shane, you, you're rocking kind of like a Kevin style facial hair. You Coincidence? Have- <laughs> I think not. <laughs> Got a little yeah. mustache and yeah. a goatee. But does this look stupid, honestly, Mike? I'm this- gonna get Howie to come over and give you a hug if you're feeling a little insecure. <laughs> oh, Howie has a funny part too, because Howie secretly thinks he's the best singer. <laughs> 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 but how he's the worst singer but his excuse is that Backstreet Boys changed their sound uh, at 1999 to this like crazier sound that doesn't go well with his voice so his one demand is that he needs to be featured on more songs <laughs> um, Shane after watching this documentary which Backstreet Boy did you like and relate to the most <laughs> do I even have to answer this Kevin <laughs> Are you looking at the facial hair right now? <laughs> but at one point, you see Kevin clean shaven, and he looks nuts. You're like, holy shit, I know why he keeps that strange facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, do you have a favorite Backstreet Boys song? All joking aside, one of their new songs is actually pretty good. I almost <laughs> think the writers came in for just the one song. <laughs> They're like, we'll give you the single. But uh, just because it's always stuck in my head... Is the everybody Backstreet's back? Yeah, Backstreet's back. Yes, it's least, always stuck in my head. Really, Max? Do you have a favorite yeah, Backstreet Boys like, song? Um, I don't know what he does to make you cry, but I'll be there to make you smile. I can still see the video. If I had, and then you know that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, my love is all I have to give. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. My and, love is and the, all in the video. I they're uh, to give. 
They're like at a casting session or something. Yeah, something. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. What's your favorite Backstreet Boys song? <sighs> Probably "I Want It That Way." Oh, that's a good one too. In Sync or Backstreet Boys? Who well, do you like more? Lou Pearlman actually tries to create a jealousy trap where <laughs> he made In Sync. So anytime Backstreet Boys would be like, "Ah, oh, we're not feeling this gig, Lou," he'd be like, "Okay, Justin Timberlake's in," and then In Sync would just do the gig that Backstreet Boys backed out of. Oh, so and then he also did LFO. Like he just kept creating O-Town. jealousy traps, O Town, to keep everyone motivated, right? Because you you need a competitor. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's like you and the Tragically Hip. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, there you have it. Our pop culture and Backstreet Boys aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Another one in the books. They're trying to shut us down for a week or two, but we said, no way, Jose. That's the truth. When we uh, started this podcast with Much, um, it was going to be three weeks on, one week off. And I said, Max, what do you think? We taking a week off? I said, never. We're doing this till we're dead. Yep. Dead or canceled. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Please subscribe to the Mike on Much podcast on iTunes. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Mike on Much. We want to thank our guest, Tim McAuliffe, who was an amazing guest, an amazing host, has a great hot tub, was very generous with his liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to thank Shane Cunningham for coming on and uh, sharing his love for the BSB. Yeah, we, I feel like we talked about the Backstreet Boys for hours. We could have gone, that could have been its own podcast. Yeah, totally. Big thank you to Jenna Gregory for providing the artwork on the show. You can find her stuff at jennasdoodles.com. You can also find us online at much.com slash Mike on Much. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. The Mike on Much podcast is produced by Max Kerman, and I am your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend. <laughs>